Well, hey there, and welcome to Book Talks with Keith. I'm your host, author J. Keith Brown. And each week on this podcast, I want to introduce you to some fabulous authors and their work. So grab that beverage of choice, have a seat here at my table, and let's chat on this episode of Book Talks with Keith. Hello there, and welcome to Book Talks with Keith. I'm your host, author J. Keith Brown, and I'm so glad that you are finding this podcast. And it's a relatively new podcast. I've got another one that's been on for years, but this one is relatively new. Thank you, my dear listener, for taking, or or viewer, if you're on YouTube, for taking the time and the risk to uh, listen or watch this podcast. I think it's it serves a purpose because it shares all about new authors or authors that have been around a while, but just want to share their work with more people. So with that said, today, I've got another fantastic author that I want to welcome to the podcast, and his name is Dan Clefstad. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Keith. It's great, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. It's my pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for, for doing this. And one of the things, Dan, I always tell people when they come on to my podcast is I think it's really important for people to get a chance to know you as a person. And I think probably even more so as a reader, um, I know for myself, when I know something about the author and who they are, a little bit about their life, even you know what their favorite food is, perhaps, it just makes <laughs> me buy into their work maybe just a little bit more. So why don't you share with the listener or viewer a little bit about Dan today? Well, I just uh, moved recently to Louisville after uh, working for 30 years in public radio. I was the morning edition host and newscaster for NPR station WNIJ, uh, uh, based in DeKalb, Illinois. We covered all of northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin. And last spring, my wife and I moved down here after I retired. And I've been very excited to uh, meet uh, new readers uh, in this area, also to hook up with bookstore owners and uh, and do interviews like this one here. Yeah, well, that's really cool. I my first full time job was in radio, so I can relate to you a little bit. That's great. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I didn't make it a career, Dan. So I'm happy for you that you did because I know what a joy it was to do. Um, so I know that um, one of the things that makes I always say the difference between a writer and an author, a writer writes and author finishes. But um, with you, I would really like to know what your inspiration was, what, you know, to go from radio. I know you had to do some writing and all that work, I am sure. But what made you want to go from that to actually writing books? Well, I actually have twin answers to this question. Um, One, I've been writing fiction um, ever since I was 16, I, I, that's when I wrote a spy novel that was absolutely terrible. But I finished it, so that made me an author, as you noted. Uh, 200 pages of tight double-spaced, you know, and um, it was just awful. But uh, my mother, who read it uh, at the time, said, I-, I think you've got something here. Keep at it. And over the years, I kept at it. But over the years, also, I realized I had to have a, a full-time job to support myself. And I sure. kind of fell into radio and radio news is where I actually got another, I'll call it a masterclass in how to write. Um, You know, some of my favorite authors are journalists or were at one point in their, in their lives. And that includes Hemingway um, who was writing to fit into column inches in a newspaper. Well, what I was writing, you know, with news copy, I'm trying to fit uh, into 
minutes. Um, I had a newscast at the top of the hour that was two minutes, 40 seconds, and another at the bottom of the hour that was two minutes, 30 seconds. And so I had to really be careful about how many words I used and never to waste a single word. Um, so that I, uh, it, that just taught me how to focus on a very simple sub uh, si simple sentence structure, subject, verb, object, and, and I got into that habit for a long time. Now, when writing literature, I was able to take this bare-bones approach that I was using and add layers to it after a while. And that is... Uh, but I found that just starting with the bare basics um, in, in sentence structure would prove to be the perfect foundation for writing literature. And that is a big shift because, especially if you write fiction, because it becomes so you know picturesque in its in its in its reading and um you know when when you're working in journalism working in news as you said that's hard hitting like you said very straight to the point um and i remember recording those 30 second commercials back in the day you couldn't <laughs> it couldn't be 32 seconds it could only be 30 seconds so exactly um, i i know that had to be a, a a shift for you did you fall right into that or did it take a little bit of time to sort of get there do you think? Uh, you mean to become proficient at, at that kind of writing? Well, I mean, I just know that you were doing such strategic writing, you know, mm -hmm. with your your newscasting, and and to shift that to a more literature style writing, right. you know, how was that? To, how, did that take a length of time? Did it, you know, flow naturally? It, were you already doing both? How did that? Yeah, work? It, it, it. I was doing both, but I um, and I think that that partly helped me because I had been I had continued writing literature, but I noticed that my literature kept getting leaner and leaner and leaner the longer I worked in news. Um, I did find that after a while, I was almost over editing my literature, and I needed to kind of step back and say, okay, this is not me telling you what happened today. I need to tell a much more involved story. And then I started layering off a little bit more and more, not too much, but experimenting with a little bit more description. Uh, I didn't want to interfere with the reader's imagination too much. So I didn't want to over-describe things. Uh, but I wanted to leave just a little bit so you could form the picture in your own head. And I'm starting simple, bare bones, uh, you know, writing tight, as we used to say, uh, that kind of helped me experiment and figure out how to tell a story by letting it blossom slowly. Well, I think that's interesting. And, you know, I know for myself, Dan, I when I was going to graduate school and all the, you know, when I was going on my education, I know I had one professor that kind of got on me a lot because for me, I guess I've always written more picturesque, even in my nonfiction, even in my thesis. I mean, I had to work hard at that because that did not come as natural to me as it did becoming the storyteller. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it and which I know this, the reason I get there is because I know that you're you've done what I've done, and that is to write fiction and nonfiction books. And there is a big difference, but it's kind of interesting to write those in parallel. And I think you've done that, right? I have done that. Um, and I've learned from both. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying it was an, always an easy switch it, it back and not. forth. It is yeah. not. But uh, yeah, I liked the idea of having uh, this these two parallel approaches to my writing to, mm -hmm. okay, in this context, I'm going to give you the who, what, where, why, 
you know, and went, uh, and then over here, I'm going to maybe give you a character's exploration of what happened and, you know, and try to get right in the voice of that character who may not speak like I do. And, and you know, and maybe even has, uh, well, completely different experiences than I have. Uh, and, and those experiences inform his storytelling, that sort of thing. Um, I just really felt it useful to have both. Um, but occasionally it would get confusing. But, uh, you know, for the most part, well, here I am. I've made it sort of speak. So I'm on your show. So I must be doing it right. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. So, um, so let's talk a little bit more about your books, because that's where I really want to spend most of our time today, because that's truly what, the you know, besides getting to know you a little bit personally, um, the reader wants to know a little bit about what you have written and why they should read it. So let's talk a little bit about that. Okay, yeah. So um, I spent many years in my youth uh, watching movies and TV shows and reading books about vampires. For whatever reason, I found I always liked monsters. I always liked horror. Um, but I just found vampires so much more relatable, I think, than other creatures of the night. You know, okay, uh, I, I, I'm not yeah. sure how that works out, Dan, but I'll take your word for it. Okay. <laughs> I've never, I don't know that I've ever related really to a vampire, but okay, whatever you say. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that um, because they look a little bit or mostly like us, they're almost like us or they're depicted in that way. Uh, and, and they're always almost depicted as, um, you know, stronger than we humans are, sexier than we are, and they just go on living. So I found that eternal aspect of fascinating as well. Mm -hmm. What would it be like to live 250, 350 years? Would I ever get bored? That sort of thing. Um, and so this uh, focus on time uh, became kind of uh, the, the real hook for me as I started experimenting with writing uh, these vampire stories. And in 2017, I finally got one that uh, was accepted by the literary journal Crack the Spine, uh, their February edition. Uh, they published a short story called The Caretaker, which introduced the world to the vampire Fiona and her main human guardian, uh, Daniel. Uh, and those uh, that short story uh, comprises three early chapters of the book that came out a few years later, Fiona's Guardians. Okay. So how many books are in, so this, say, so Fiona is, is she, she's the vampire? That's correct. Okay. She is All a right. 250 year old vampire who hires humans to manage her blood supply. Wow. Okay. Very interesting. And um, so how many books are there already in the, uh, Fiona's Guardians is the first. I am uh, trying to finish the sequel. I've okay. uh, promised my publisher and many of my readers that uh, the, the sequel will be out next October. Uh, I don't have a title yet for the sequel, but uh, Fiona and Daniel will both be in this next book as well. Is that is that October 24 or 25? Uh, 24. Okay. All right. So October 24. Well, that's... That's a lot. I know that some people listening to this, some readers are going to like, well, wow, that's a long ways away. Uh, not when you're an author. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Those deadlines come a lot faster than you think. But um, so tell us, is there anything you can tell us uh, any more about this book to make us uh, just drool with anticipation about going to get it? Yeah, actually. So uh, Fiona's 250 years old. She hires humans uh, and, she, and her main human is Daniel. 
who arranges for her blood supply. If you like, I could read a two-minute excerpt, which is right from the beginning of the book. Please do. Okay, most of this book is told from the standpoint of uh, uh, the humans who work for Fiona, but Fiona does address the reader directly on a handful of occasions, and uh, including right at the beginning. Hello, mortal. I'm touched by your interest in those who work for me and those who used to. A handful truly deserve to be remembered in a book that never goes out of print. Their loyalty and talent are the reason I've existed for two and a half centuries. A few, however, earned the painful and premature deaths detailed in these pages. For me, loyalty comes first and must be constant. That's not to say a partnership with me can't end in mutual agreement. It just never happened before. Still, I may allow my current guardian to retire. After serving longer than any other, he might well live his remaining years in a manner of his choosing. This would create an opportunity for another to earn his substantial salary and benefits. But a warning is in order. The work is as relentless and unsparing as my hunger, and everyone I employed has murdered at least once on my behalf. Not that this is the preferred option. There are other less extreme ways to obtain blood for me. And Daniel built a robust network that could be handed off to a successor. He's in the car now, looking at his watch, wondering when we can go home to his decanter of scotch. From what I see, Nothing in your cabinet would satisfy him, so rest assured I won't leave with any of your bottles. I see you've been reading job postings. Do not ask if I offer a retirement plan. In truth, I've never understood the concept. Each evening I awake knowing I'm the chief executive for extending my life, so ceasing work would amount to suicide. But this is what Daniel wants, and I owe him for that time he saved me from dying. It's in the book. My favorite chapters feature Agrippina, the one who created me. Driven by hunger, she brought me to the edge of death, but changed her mind when I started turning blue. She claimed she saw something worth preserving, an unselfish nature that disappeared when she opened a vein for me. Since that moment, the only feeling I've known, besides adoration for her, is a craving that never ceases. That is, until the instant I tasted regret, the perpetual pain of guilt at not being with her when our enemies reappear. They're in here too, and so is my revenge. Go ahead, indulge your curiosity. When you finish reading, I'll visit again and make myself visible. You'll find me sitting in that chair over there, and we can talk about your future. Until then. Wow, very powerful, Dan. <laughs> Thank very, you. Very mm -hmm. good. I, I enjoyed that. And I can honestly say I've never been a person to, you know, 
read a lot of um, sci-fi or anything like that. It's not been a genre of choice for me. But I have to say that that was intriguing. And I really did enjoy that very much. In fact, I was sitting there while you were reading. I'm going like, man, this ought to be an audible book. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you were doing yes. so well with the reading. I I have been planning that. Uh, I have nothing yet uh, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I do feel like I'm going to have to, if I did this, I would have to hire a female actor. Uh, who would play Fiona and I could play Daniel and some of the main, you know, and just read those lines. But I am happy to say that this was adapted by an all professional acting company. Really? Uh, Artists Ensemble Theater uh, adapted the, they took uh, three or four chapters from this book and turned it into a podcast. So you remember during the pandemic when uh, during the pandemic, the theater companies had to stop working sure, basically. Sure. They, they couldn't oh, yeah, perform yeah. on stage anymore. So the right. more savvy companies like AET um, started, started these theater of the mind podcasts. And some of them sound a lot like, you know, the old radio plays that we heard in the 1930s and 40s. Um, so they, you know, got together with a studio and started recording. Uh, typically, they were adaptations of Agatha Christie mysteries that went into public domain. But I approached them because they were in my listening area at the time. They knew who I was and one of their players is actually a midday host at WIJ. And so a meeting was set up. And three weeks later, I uh, heard from the resident playwright at Artists Ensemble Theater, Margaret Rather, and she showed me the script that she did uh, for this. And it was fantastic. Um, she had to make a little change at the end to make the this adaptation make sense. And it, I agreed. And the contract involved no money at all. I just wanted them to do this, and they were looking for something interesting to do. So the Saturday before Labor Day in 2021, seven union actors uh, walked into a studio to record these parts. And it's available on Spotify, Podbean, wherever you get podcasts. It's the Fiona Gar Fiona's Guardians episode of Mysterious Journey. And... I'm biased, but I think it is outstanding. Well, you know, you've, I'm sure you have whet the appetite of some people to hear that. So I want to make sure um, if I don't have the link to that in the material you sent me, Dan, would you please send me that link? I, I will. will include it. I will include it in the show notes, listeners, so that you can go there immediately after you finish this podcast. If you want, click on the link and listen to this, because I know that you would thoroughly enjoy that. Um, mm -hmm. As I will. So I can tell you already that I'm probably going to go listen to that. Dan. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I I would like to hear it. So um, this book has been out. So how long has this book been out? The paperback came out in 2020. And then the hardback uh, version, my publisher released the hardback version in October of 2022. Um, and so and I'll be working with this publisher again for the, the, the sequel. Burton okay. Mayer's books. Uh, Burton Mayer's books is located in Scotland. Wow. Mm -hmm. And um, we will make sure that you get links uh, to the book as well, uh, listener, and so that you can find this. Uh, I assume it's available on multiple sites, including Amazon Books, I would think. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, but I would encourage uh, someone who's actually thinking about buying uh, this book, Fiona's Guardians, uh, if they have a, a mom and pop independent bookshop, independent books shop in their neighborhood or in their town, 
uh, you can order from them. Um, uh, they will. It might take a few, just a few days, but uh, you'll be supporting your own local business. Uh, I encourage uh, you. I've actually been uh, co-branding with independent bookstores for several years now. And um, yes, I maintain an Amazon page, uh, but uh, I, I, you know, I think that local independent bookstores are also more likely to uh, invite local authors to do readings and to stock their books. And so I think that uh, uh, they are very worth, uh, very much worth supporting. Yeah, I would agree with that 110%. I've had some wonderful independent bookstores over my career that have allowed me to have books on their shelf, which is not always the case if you go into a Barnes and Noble or such. And um, and then, like you said, uh, to invite you in to do readings and things like that, which to me is just one of the greatest pleasures to go in and mm-hmm. share what you have poured your heart and soul into, especially when people seem to appreciate that. So, um, and I know that my listeners have appreciated this conversation, Dan, the passion that you have for this book, for Fiona, for for this story. So um, in addition to writing the sequel to this, which you've been working on, and again, listeners supposed to come out hopefully around October of 2024, um, you're also, I think, writing a nonfiction book that you are about to release uh, very soon as well. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because I am very hopeful that we have authors that are listening to this podcast or authors to be. And so I would like for them to hear this because I'm, I, I know a little bit about where we're going with this. So okay. please yeah. do share, Dan, that information. Okay, at the end of February, I'm going to release my first nonfiction book. It's called DIY Book Promo, How to Find Readers Without Spending Money. Um, now, now, Keith, I'm sure you have talked to many authors uh, about the same thing. You know, I hear from so many people who struggle with how to promote themselves. Uh, many people who write, they you know, they're introverts and they would they don't like going out there and having to tell their story. Uh, but it's a necessary part of the business. I think we'll all agree. Yes. Um, yes. And and those who then uh, try to market their books, there's so much information out there. Some of it's very confusing. Quite often, you're being led to purchase some sort of a service, um, which is fine. Everybody has a right to make a buck. But I often have wondered, you know, how do you, can, how can you point to, uh, the company that you hired or the person you hired as a publicist, how can you point to that person as increasing sales? Um, and so I would much rather uh, d- d- you know, do the work myself. Uh, and frankly, come on, Keith, we're authors. We're supposed to be poor, right? If you're trying to make a living of this, unless you're a very select few, yes, the answer to that is yes, you're poor. <laughs> so and of course uh, many writers uh have complained that they uh were solicited by scammers or even fell for a scam i want to avoid that as well for my fellow writers so i have borrowed from the three-year campaign uh from fiona's guardians all the lessons all the tools and tricks that I learned, and I did a lot of stuff that was unusual um, uh, to get my book out, out there. Uh, so I share everything. Hmm. And I also draw on my 30 years in radio to uh, teach 
readers how to pitch for a media interview, uh, how to perform well in front of the microphone, and then how to share that interview when it comes out. Uh, and also, duh, to how to recognize the importance of getting in front of a microphone to talk about your book. <laughs> you know, a lot of people still haven't gotten that yet. So um, much of my advice involves that. However, um, the, the, the tools and tricks I learned during my own marketing campaign um, uh, are varied. And uh, I've had some successes. The adaptation that we just talked about uh, from Artist Ensemble Theater is one mm -hmm. of them. Any of those little clever nuances of ways of getting that material out there is certainly going to, but it, it's just like social media. We all know how inundated it is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people go like, well, I can't stand out. I can't, I just feel like just an insignificant fish in a major pond. And truthfully, in some ways you are, but you know, one of the things we have to do is to be unique in ourselves and put ourselves out there. And you are not only as an, you know, if you're an author, you're not only just selling your work, you're selling yourself. Right. And that's that's something that a lot of authors have trouble with because they are creative minds, but yet sometimes strategically, they're a little less, um, shall we say, a personality, getting mm -hmm. the job done systematically when it comes to this promotion. So yes, I appreciate what you said, Dan, because it is it. It is as poor is as important as writing the book. If you want anybody to read it, I mean, exactly. if you just want to write it for your own pleasure or for your mother, you know, or make everybody in your immediate family buy one. Okay, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Every right, but if you want the general public to get it, they've got to know about it. So I really appreciate this, and it's it's really great that you're sharing the tools and techniques that you did the, the ones that you learned and and um you know i think that that's that's going to be very helpful i think i'm hoping it will be i've already um uh i've already gotten invited to speak at some conventions and uh book festivals um so the imaginarium convention in louisville um uh, in july i will be speaking on diy book promo about that uh also at the louisville book festival and uh for the rockford writers guild and some others so uh, if you can't come to one of the festivals uh, or events, um, I, I do speak to writers' groups via Zoom, uh, and so I'd be willing to uh, to speak to your group and uh, t tell you everything I know. I might need to invite you back on the a special episode <laughs> of the podcast just to do some of this and 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 help us with this. Um, are any of your? I know that the the. Uh, Fiona, the, the vampire series, as well as this book, are either or are both also available in digital format or only print format? Uh, both. So, yes, uh, Fiona's Guardians is available in hardback, paperback, and Kindle. And um, the DIY book promo will be available as an ebook and paperback when it comes out next month. Very good. Very good. And dear friends, we will put all of this information in the show notes and just make sure that you have every way. And uh, I'm going to remind Dan to please send me the link to the podcast episode you mentioned yep. in this podcast, because I would love for our listeners to be able to listen, because obviously they're podcast listeners, they wouldn't be listening to this. So we want to make sure they have a chance to listen to that as well. Uh, Dan, is there anything else that you want to share with the viewer slash listener here on the podcast that you want them to know well I'm, 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 every year i try to get it booked into as many 
uh, scheduled into as many bookstores as possible for events. So it's possible you'll see me at your own uh, local family-owned bookstore one day. And please say hi uh, when, when you see me. And Keith, I've just really enjoyed talking with you. Uh, I appreciate the, the uh, invitation, and I look forward to seeing you as well at uh, one of these book festivals or conventions. I sure hope you will, Dan. Thank you very much for being on here. Dan Klefs Klefsad? Um, Klefsad, hopefully, yeah. Okay, I, <laughs> I have to admit, the, the name I just have to be careful with, and um, that is Fiona, Fiona's Guardian. Is that right? Fiona's right. Guardians, uh, plural. Oh. Uh, she does have many of them. Uh, oh, so here's right. the hardback cover. Uh, I should mention the uh, the cover art is by uh, a Ukrainian artist my publisher hired, uh, Martelia, and I thought she knocked it out of the park with this sort of gothic, uh, but also noir uh, cover. So Fiona's Guardians. All right. Well, check it out, my dear listener. Dan, thank you again for listening. I really do appreciate it, and um, I will be getting this uploaded, and it will be available to our listening audiences very soon. Folks, I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. We do try to get some fantastic authors on here just to share a little bit about their heart, their vision, about what they're trying to do and the words they're trying to put out to the world. So we want you to support authors, buy their books, read their books, uh, talk about their books. We need you to help us spread the word and keep reading and books an important part of our lives. So until next time, make it a great day. Thank you for listening to Book Talks with Keith. We'll see you really soon. Well, there you go, my friend. That's this episode of Book Talks with Keith. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen or watch this podcast. Please do share this podcast, like this podcast, follow, subscribe. It's together that we spread the love of books and support for authors. Until next time, Make it a great day. I'll see you around the table again for Book Talks with Keith.